Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, our final hour of Sports Talk Saturday getting underway. I've got two distinguished gentlemen coming your way first. And uh, next here on the Western Hotline, I got Evan Lazar. We'll also hear from Kevin Harlan of the NBA on TNT. He uh, joined the uh, the morning show yesterday, so we'll replay that at 1.30. But going to our Western Hotline live right now, Evan Lazar, who uh, covers the Patriots, the Patriots Beat reporter for CLNS Media and the host of the Patriots Beat podcast. Evan Lazar joining me now on the Western Hotline. Evan, good afternoon to you, my friend. Thanks, for as always, for making time with us. We uh, We really appreciate it, man. No problem, Nate. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Now, I uh, I brought you on um, because it has been a pretty great five-game stretch for the New England Patriots winning five straight games. They now have a half-game lead uh, over the Bills in the AFC East, and that's definitely not a sentence I thought we'd be talking about in the Lord year 2021, but here we are. Um, now, they've got a game or a game and a half on the Bills um, with uh, with the game on Thursday night, and they, they, uh, they, they have not had their bye week yet, correct? Correct. Yeah, that's, that comes after the Bills game on Monday night. So that game will, Evan, have a lot to say about what not only, and, and, and this is a testament, I think, to both teams and where they are right now in the AFC, but I think not only will that, that Monday night football game have a lot to say about who wins the AFC East, um, but I think it's also going to have a lot to say about who is either the number two, um, I think the number two team in the AFC right behind the Tennessee Titans. So let's start, I think, with the guy that, that has made, you know, who has probably been the darling of national media now for the better part part of three and a half weeks. Mac Jones, your thoughts on his game Thursday night, but but maybe let's take a look at a broader stroke at the season at large. What is the biggest difference for you, Evan, from Mac Jones in, say, like week one in that game against the Dolphins to that, that game yesterday or on Thursday against the Atlanta Falcons? Yeah, I think against the Falcons wasn't Mac's best performance by any means of the season. Short week, his first time playing on Thursday night football, Going up against Dean Pease, who's a veteran defensive coordinator and also knows the Patriots pretty well from his past days back with uh, Belichick in the 2006 to the 2009 season. So Dean Pease is a good coordinator, short week, not a ton of time to prepare for it. And the Falcons pulled a few on the Patriots in terms of blitzes and things like that that seemed to confuse Mac just a little bit. So not his best performance on Thursday night, which I think is a bummer because it's the first time the Patriots have played in prime time since that Tampa game in week four and all the buzz about Mac Jones and all the hype about Mac Jones. 
And that's the performance he puts out there. And I think a lot of people are saying, this is the guy that everybody is anointing. Like, what, what are we talking about here? And I think the one thing that you look at with him is how great of a fit he is in Josh McDaniels' offense because Josh McDaniels has outlined for us multiple times the amount of mental stress that the Patriots put on the quarterback, both before the snap and after the snap. And in a lot of rookies' cases, having all of that mental uh, distress on them would probably bury them, but in Mac's case, probably his best attribute as a player is his football IQ and his ability to see things pre-snap, get the Patriots in the correct play, run it correctly and on time, throw it accurately down the field. That's Mac Jones. So the Patriots' multiplicity or their complexity actually allows him to flex those muscles and be the best version of himself as a result. So a lot of these more simplified offenses that you see across the league, I think Mac would look worse in those schemes because he's not able to align all the chess pieces on the board before the ball is snapped. And he doesn't have that kind of control of the offense or ability in, in the offense to do that with all the flexibility that the Patriots have um, from an offensive standpoint. So the biggest difference between week one to now to answer your question is probably his willingness to attack tight windows down the field and pull the trigger on some of those throws down the field that we weren't seeing early on. But the fit is really just from a mental standpoint has been terrific. And, you know, kind of diving a layer deeper on this conversation about Mac Jones. And I think if you follow people, if you listen to people that are in the know that followed him throughout the draft process, you know, there is this sense that I think maybe the talk about him being traded up for by the San Francisco 49ers immediately put him in this, I think, narrative and category that was unfair to him as a player, that there's just no way he was a better prospect than the Justin Fields of the world and the Zach Wilsons of the world and the Trey Lances of the world. And although I would probably agree that their ceilings are definitely not similar, I think you went into this draft and the one thing that that smart people came away from saying is the guy with the highest floor is Mac Jones, and if you're a team that needs quarterback play today, not three years from now, but today, that this is definitely the quarterback you're going to take. He's going to be able to walk in, and he clearly he took the job from Cam Newton. There's no doubt about it, and you want to talk about fit. Cam, there was a lot of concessions that I'm sure Josh McDaniels and, um, and, 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 and Bill Belichick had to make in order to fit the skill set of Cam Newton. What they have with Mac Jones is probably where they felt most comfortable being as an offensive identity, no? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that hits the nail on the head. I, I don't. I push back just slightly. Maybe this is a little bit of my homerism on the ceiling thing, right? Because I think that this type of offense and what Mac Jones is capable of doing within this type of offense has an extremely high ceiling. But I think those things that you saw on Thursday night, for example, and this is what I'm going to write about this week with this offense, is what we've known all along, and that is if they are not on the details, right, the the execution between quarterback and receiver being on the same page, protection calls being on the same page, picking up blitzes, you know, things like that where they need to be so sharp on all of the little minutiae of the game because they do not have an explosive downfield passing game. This is not an offense that is going to kill you with – deep bombs, you know, 40-plus right. yard throws. 
And because they don't have that, they need to be so much on their P's and Q's on every single drive and every single play to move the football into the end zone that that does put a lot of limitations or I guess variance on the offense because when it looks the way it should and everything is clicking like it was against Cleveland and they can put up points in a hurry uh, but when it looks a little bit disjointed like it did against the Falcons on Thursday night they end up scoring 19 points against the defense that was giving up almost 30 points a game going into that game so Really, what the ceiling is, is how much can they master the things that they're good at. So, Evan, I, I want to ask you about the running game that I think has, has certainly started evolving um, during the season here. Now, obviously, the Patriots go out and spend a draft pick on Ramondre Stevenson, who, you know, in college didn't quite have um, the impact that I think his skill set would suggest because of some of the issues um, off the field. But talk to me a little bit about his development this season. And, and do you believe that this is now turning into the kind of backfield that I'm sure Bill Belichick probably wants to see more than having a, a primary, you know, bell cow in Damian Harrison? Are we going to start to see more of a 50-50 split between those two as the season wears on? Yeah, I think that what we saw on Thursday night is exactly where they're going to be at for the rest of the year. Ramondre carried the ball 12 times. Damian Harris had 10 carries coming off that concussion. So I think we're going to see almost a 50-50 timeshare, and I know that's going to drive fantasy football owners crazy. I have Damian Harris in one league, so trust me, I, it, it, I understand completely. But you look at this running game, I think there are two areas of the Patriots that are potentially elite areas of their team one of them is obviously their defense and the other is their running game offensively they've really solidified this offensive line ted Karras going to left guard and trent brown coming back from injury at right tackle but even before that when they had mike on playing right tackle and Karras at left guard basically Karras has been a glue piece for them on the interior and they've really been able to just dominate in the trenches ever since they moved him inside off the bench into the starting lineup. And now they have this two-headed monster at running back in Stevenson and Harris. You sort of look at the formula for the Patriots, and as you guys know up there in Buffalo, when it starts to get colder and it starts mm-hmm. to get later in the year, being able to run the football effectively and being able to play really good defense is a good formula for the Pats moving forward. And if they can just get a B-plus game out of their passing offense every week or even a B game out of their offense every week um, in terms of what Mac Jones and the passing offense is doing, and they're going to win a lot of football games. So uh, this running game has really taken another step forward. Um, I think last week or on Thursday night, I should say, uh, they didn't really string enough plays uh, together on third down to be able to continue to run the football. They only uh, had 25 carries because they just weren't stringing those drives together at length consistently, so they didn't get to really get up to the number, I think, that they were envisioning coming into the game where they probably thought they were going to run it 40 times against Atlanta. But you look at that game against Cleveland, uh, that was just teach tape of Mm -hmm. run blocking, especially from Trent Brown and Shaq Mason on the right side just absolutely caving in the uh, Cleveland defensive front. It was it was really fun to watch. And You have two backs that can really tote it, and uh, our physical backs that will run you over, and Ramondre's got a little bit of wiggle to him as well. So just a really uh, potentially potent rushing attack, and I would say not even potentially. They, they kind of just are at this point. Then you can sort of integrate some of the play-action stuff off of that too, and that will open up the passing game as well. 
We've got Evan Lazar of CLNS Media. He covers the New England Patriots. He's also the uh, the host of the Patriots Beat podcast. Joining me here on the Wester Hotline, we're talking about the uh, the New England Patriots. Their emergence is an AFC contender over the last several weeks on a five-game winning streak. And before we kind of move to the defensive side of the ball, I wanted to ask you about the tight end position, the, the position that maybe raised the most eyebrows in the offseason. We knew Bill Belichick was going to make at least a move on the, on the offensive side of the ball at the tight end position knowing how much this team uh, and the system can rely around the, the the tight end and one of them has certainly ascended into that in that position and that's been Hunter Henry which is not a surprise I think he really kind of fits the exact mold and skill set that Bilicek likes to use in that system that McDaniels knows how to utilize it's been the Janu Smith um, contributions yeah. that have maybe been the most interesting. He was a healthy scratch two weeks ago. Didn't really do much in that Thursday night game against the Falcons. What has been a miss about Jonu Smith in this offense? And and I think if you were a Bills fan who and listen, let me tell you, Evan, he was a guy Bills fans really, really wanted to see the Bills go after and sign. He just ends up being way too expensive. He's still right up there with Hunter Henry's the two highest paid tight ends in the league. And and I'm wondering what you think has gone wrong because he couldn't they didn't know how to use him in Tennessee. And now in year one in in, in, in New England, when you thought that for sure he was gonna get utilized, um, we just have not seen it. And, I, and there was there was reports like, well, maybe they'll start to use him in the run game with the injuries that are to the running back position. He'll get a couple of carries. And I'm just wondering if you're stretching yourself out to try to get him the ball in the run game, uh, what has gone wrong with Jonu Smith and his usage so far this year? Yeah, I think that last point kind of gets to the core of the problem, which is Jonu Smith is an athlete who needs to be schemed open, right? He needs to get manufactured touches by Josh McDaniels. So unless Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offensive coordinator, is going to sit there and manufacture five to ten touches a game for Johnny Smith just to feed Johnny Smith, then he's not going to be a productive player in this offense. The Patriots offense is a timing-based passing system, right? They want guys to get open at the top of the route when they're supposed to get open and where they're supposed to be at. And if you are not an efficient route runner in this system, like Hunter Henry is, for example, who's been great for the Patriots, he's a great route runner, really uh, knows exactly – where and how to get open against different types of coverages and and the conversions that the Patriots run and all that kind of stuff. If you're not that type of player in this offense, whether you're a tight end or a wide receiver, then it's really hard to succeed here unless you're just an ungodly talent. And and that's maybe not what Johnny Smith is. So I look at Johnny Smith and I think the biggest concern that I have big picture-wise is that he's actually due almost $14 million against the cap next year in 2022. And if the Patriots look at him as a bad fit in their system or as somebody that didn't really work out, well, that's $14 million that they can't spend elsewhere, right? Or they can't bring in another pass catcher to replace the production they thought they were getting from Johnny Smith. So I think that this thing with Johnny Smith is is teetering right now for the Patriots in a long-term view of are they going to try to get out of this Johnny Smith contract at the end of the year? You weren't going to hit on all the free agent signings. You make that many moves in free agency, you're bound to have one or two that don't pan out. And it just happens to be the Johnny Smith one that doesn't pan out. And I think the main reason being is that he has to be manufactured and this Patriots offense just wants to throw to the open guy. 
And if you're not getting open with the route running and you're not getting open uh, in the right spots and, and at the right time, then you're just not going to get the football. And I think in a lot of ways, uh, Johnny's struggles also speak to Nikhil Harry. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I was just yeah. going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's very much uh, overlapped there where two guys that are big, physical, uh, good athletes for their size, good with the ball in their hands for their size, uh, but aren't necessarily the Julian Edelman's, the right. Kobe Myers's, yep. the Hunter Henry's uh, of the world. And I think the Patriots have a little bit of a tough time integrating those guys into their offense. Evan, I want to switch switch gears here and talk about the defense. Uh, Matthew Judon has sort of been their um, just revelation signing this this year. Now, it's not to say that he wasn't and, and didn't have this level of success as a pass rusher in uh, in Baltimore, where he where he was drafted and, and he was previously. But it's definitely clear to me that he has taken a step. And and at his age, getting his second contract. You're, it's not always a given that you see a guy sort of ascend into that premier pass rushing role. What about what he is asked to do in this defense has allowed him to elevate his 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 production as a pass rusher? I think he's up to nine and a half sacks now. He might even be in double digits after Thursday he's night. Ten and a half. Ten and a half. Yeah, yeah ten, ten, and half ten and a half sacks. Uh, he's right up there with the league lead. What have you noticed about his game? Is it more scheme related, or do you just believe this is a player that is in the right system at the right time, and that that his skill set is being used, and that's 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 maybe the cause for his ascension? Yeah, let me tell you, Nate. Matthew John has been the MVP of the defense for the Patriots, and it's not just the production. His energy, his positive attitude, his leadership. He's if they had to revote right now, 11 weeks into the season on team captains, I think Matthew Judon would be one of the captains, and I don't think it would be close, right? I mean, this guy has been has taken over the Patriots locker room and really been a massive part of, of this turnaround for New England, and I look at uh, what your question is from an X's and O's standpoint, and I would say that it's, it's two things. One, Judon is a really good rusher for the type of way that Bill Belichick wants you to rush the passer. He's not somebody that's going to hit you with all these finesse moves and get pulled out of his gaps and, and give up contain on the quarterback, but he's still able to apply pressure with some of his speed and power rushes around the corner. So it's a nice combination because Belichick in the past, and uh, if you look at the most sacks of the Bill Belichick era in a single season, it's Chandler Jones who had 12 and a half sacks. That's not that many, right? I mean, it's not a huge number. So you look at some of the, the di- other pass rushers that have played here, and there's just so many other responsibilities. Uh, they want them to contain the quarterbacks. They don't want to allow the scrambles or extended plays. Uh, so you don't really get to pin your ears back. The Patriots have allowed Judon to pin his ears back just a little bit more maybe than some other guys. And I would also say that they've done a really nice job with – alignment and kind of just uh, threatening pressure in certain areas where they get him a lot of one-on-one opportunities and they know from scouting your right tackle is worse than your left tackle or your left tackle is worse than your right tackle. So last week, for example, on Thursday night against Atlanta, they schemed up an opportunity for him to go up against Caleb McGarry one-on-one, the Falcons' right tackle, who's really struggled in pass protection this season, and he came up with a huge sack because Kyle Pitts was wide open down the field for a big play, but Matt Ryan just didn't have enough time to get him the football. So that's, I would say, from a schematic standpoint, um, moving him around and allowing the rest of the rush to kind of 
occupy the rest of the offensive line, giving Judon that one-on-one has really helped him out. And I would also uh, mention from a personnel standpoint, Christian Barmore, the rookie from Alabama, him applying pressure up the middle and pushing the pocket up the middle has invited quarterbacks a lot of the time into the edge rush from Judon. And that two-man game with Barmore and Judon on stunts and uh, you know kind of schemed pressures has really been extremely effective for the Patriots as well. So, Evan, there's definitely no doubt that the stretch of the next four games for the Patriots likely will determine the rest of their outcome of their season. Now, I, I think it's pretty clear they could still, they could go, I was going to say, they could go 0-4 over the next four and still find their way in the playoffs, but it would be a stretch because they end the season with the Dolphins and the Jaguars, which should really secure the final two wins that they need. 9-8 and eight would be a tough ask, but it's possible with the seven-team format that they make their way into the playoffs. But it's more than likely they're going to have to win one out of their next four if they want to find themselves in the playoffs. But this is definitely one of the toughest four-game stretches of their season, um, and and it starts the, uh, next week at home against the Titans. And I want to ask you about the Titans. What are your thoughts? I, this I, I filled in last week on the afternoon drive show, and we kind of focused in on the Titans, and I just... I think they're the biggest fraud in the NFL, and and I know that they've won. Their, the 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 quality of their victories, you simply can't just glaze over. They've beaten Kansas City, they beat Buffalo, and and whether or not you want to add in the context of it was a slip on fourth and one, and if he does, if Josh Allen doesn't slip, he's like whatever seventeen of of nineteen career on those fourth and one plays. Um, what do you make of this this Titans team, the 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 Patriots next matchup, and and. How important would you say the next two games, the, the, the Titans and the Bills, are to where the, the Patriots want to be when, you know, January 9th comes around and, the, and that final matchup against the Dolphins? Yeah, I mean, vitally important. This is going to teach us a lot about this team. Uh, I feel like the Patriots are a good football team right now in a seven-team format with the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs most likely. But all the national media is kind of anointing them as the Super Bowl contenders. There's not a... There's not a dominant team in the AFC, as you kind of just alluded to, so maybe the Patriots could make a run here and all that kind of stuff. If the Patriots are are truly Super Bowl contenders this year in the AFC, then they will beat this Titans team a week from Sunday without Derrick Henry, right? I mean, that that's the matchup at home without their best player on the opponent's side that the Patriots should be able to win. So we'll learn a a lot about them. I think they're a good team. Are they a great team? We'll find out over the next four weeks and, and into the, uh, into the playoffs there. But to your point about the Titans, I've, I watched a little bit of of them uh, this week and I I just look at this offense without Derrick Henry is a completely different offense. And it's nowhere near as dangerous off of play action, which has been such a big part of this Ryan Tannehill resurgence in Tennessee has been hitting those crossing patterns off of play action because everybody's putting eight guys in the box to stop Derrick Henry. The linebackers at the second level are so worried about the play action or about the run game that the play action works so well in Tennessee. And you can build off of that now looking at their run game, not the same without Henry, certainly not as productive. And then you look at, they have to get into some of this more traditional drop back passing stuff. And it's really turned Ryan Tannehill into a dink and dunk quarterback. And I look at this matchup with the Patriots. Bill usually takes away your best weapon anyways, but a guy like Derrick Henry has been a thorn to the Patriots' side just because he's 
such a dominant player that you can put eight guys in the box and you can put base defense out there, and sometimes he's going to run for 150 yards anyways. Now that they don't have Henry and the Patriots are at home, they should win this game. And I look at Tannehill and I see a lot of the same things that I saw with Baker Mayfield when the Patriots played the Browns where I say if they don't have a running game and they can't sequence the play-action stuff off of that running game, and this gets into a spread, empty type of game oh, yeah. with Ryan Tannehill and the shotgun, I really like Bill Belichick's chances of being able to limit Ryan Tannehill and the Titans' offense in that sense. They have a good defense. The Patriots are going to have to take care of the ball and take care of business against the Titans' defense as well. But I kind of like their chances in that game against Tennessee without Derrick Henry. Evan, uh, Bills fans here, we love our uh, our content from uh, across the league, particularly from the division. Tell the folks where they can find your work, what you're working on, and uh, as the Bills, and I know Bills fans kind of keep their eye on that, that Patriots Monday night game in two weeks with, with an eye on obviously having to take care of business over the next two uh, this week against the Colts and next week against the uh, the New Orleans Saints in uh, on Thanksgiving. So what do you got going on? Uh, tell us, folks, where they can find you. Yeah, I'm enjoying the the Bills fans on on Twitter. I, I know they get the national attention that the Patriots are getting is is driving them nuts, and I love it. But <laughs> you can you can find me on clnsmedia.com, and uh, we also have a YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass. We do podcasts, we do uh, shorter videos, uh, film breakdowns, things like that, and we'll obviously have tons and tons of coverage um, in the two matchups against Buffalo coming up, and it should be a lot of fun. All right, Evan, we appreciate you, buddy. As always, thanks for being so uh, so great with your time. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your uh, your Sunday off. And uh, we will, I'm sure, be chatting over the next couple of weeks as uh, the Bills, ha- Bills and Patriots have two uh, pretty big matchups this December coming up. So we appreciate it, buddy. Sounds good, Nate. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Evan Lazar there of CLNS Media. He covers the New England Patriots on the West Her Hotline. He's also the host of the Patriots Beat Podcast. Man, what a game this was supposed to be, Ohio State versus Michigan State. It is now 42. Excuse me. Just a little, little burp there. You know, so I told Corey yesterday I had eggnog for the first time, and it's still making its way through my system. Oh. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, it's really bad. Um, but Ohio State is up 42 to nothing with 7 minutes in the second quarter over Michigan State. The second quarter, this isn't the the end of the game. CJ Stroud, the the Ohio State quarterback at one point at 16 straight completions, which was a program record. This is a slaughter, folks. The Big 10 is for perverts only. Yes. Like that's if right. you see how Rutgers and Penn State is going, like only sickos watch Big 10. Football. Yeah, the same sickos that like watch us a, uh, a, a 2019 Sabres game are the same people that are watching Big tw- Big 10 football. Absolutely ghastly every week. I was one of those guys, by the way. I watched every game in the 2019 season like some kind of sick, sick human being. I don't even love hockey for me to do that. So what are you going to do? All right. I'm going to take a timeout. On the other side, Kevin Harlan, NBA's on TNT. He's the play-by-play announcer um, for TNT. Joined the morning show yesterday. I'm a big fan of Kevin Harlan, so we're going to play that back for you. That's coming up next here on WGR. If you missed any of our guests throughout the morning and the afternoon, Joe Marino at noon. We had Paul Hamilton at 11.15. We had Evan Lazar just now. And, of course, um, at uh, at 12.30, we also had Zach Hicks of Sports Illustrated. If you missed any of that, WGR550.com, on-demand audio. You can check it out there. Uh, we'll have all that posted up there separately for you. You as well. So Kevin Harlan of the NBA on TNT is coming up next here on WGR. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. 
Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.